and, and I started studying these things and it just, it came alive with me. And, and, and I guess I just enjoyed surprising people with, there's really some good stuff here if you'll just take your time yeah. to dig it out. Remember the scripture said, search for, I think it's talking about wisdom, but it said, search for her like, like hidden silver and seek her like gold. And because there's a great scripture in Colossians too, it says, because hidden in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge from the foundation of the earth. And I read something years ago, it said, you got to move a, a ton of dirt to get an ounce of gold. And it's the same way in the Bible. You, you just, you got to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. And all of a sudden something goes, oh, and it's the elephant in the room, you know? And I just enjoy taking scriptures that people say, I've read that a hundred times. And then all of a sudden you're done and they're going, wow, where did that come from? And it, it was there all the time. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorne. I hope you all are doing well. It's been an amazing few days with the very first national youth convention here in Australia taking place in Canberra. We were blessed by the wonderful ministry of Brother Tyler Sullivan, who preached his guts out over the weekend. What an amazing preacher. His message on the Saturday night, entitled, It Does Not Die With Me, was absolutely life-changing. It was great seeing so many people that I haven't been able to see for almost two years. And thank you to those who took the time out to chat with this old guy at NYC. It was awesome seeing you all. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today. I cannot tell you how pumped I was to be able to sit down with Brother Harold Hoffman. He's one of the greatest preachers I have ever had the privilege to listen to. There are preachers and then there are preachers preachers, the kind of preacher every other preacher listens to. Brother Hoffman is a preacher's preacher. He is the pastor of First Church of Sterling Heights, Michigan, and has been a missionary and evangelist at different stages of his ministry. We are so blessed to have him with us today, and during the conversation he actually agreed to come back on the podcast at a later date, so stay tuned, that would be so amazing to have him back. Before we get to the conversation, we have a five-star review that I would like to share with you. It says, Perfect listening. The podcast host has thoughtfully produced a series of podcasts that are easy to listen to while remaining thought-provoking and inspiring. Hacka gives ownership to guest speakers to share stories and wisdom with listeners and encourages them to share whatever is on their heart. Great podcast, great host. That was from Brooke Morton-Jones out of Australia. She is a great friend of my wife and I, and I want to thank her for taking the time to leave that wonderful review and for listening. Every rating and review helps the show reach more people, and last week we had our biggest week ever on the podcast in regards to downloads. So we are celebrating that, and we're welcoming all of you who are new listeners to the podcast. One last thing, we continue to try and make this show better and next week we'll be debuting a new co-host for the podcast who will be helping me as we move to produce this podcast in a video format as well so it'll make it much easier for me to be able to interview guests as well as uh, have video content that we're producing with the audio so stay tuned for that that will be next week now that we have taken care of all of that 
Let's get to my conversation with Brother Harold Hoffman. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Brother Hoffman. It's an honor. I I really, really miss being in Sydney, but uh, this is about as close as we can get, so it's a good deal. Well, this is one that I've really been looking forward to, and I feel like I can just retire after this, retire off the podcast after getting to chat with you. Uh, you're someone I've looked up to for a number of years now, ever since I was able to visit you all at your church there in Michigan at First Church. I think it was like 14 years ago now when Steph and I were dating. I always joke that um, you must not have liked me too much when when I visited because ever since I moved to Australia, you haven't come. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. It's, it's crazy. Gina told me she can come to America, but she can't go to Perth. <laughs> so uh, they definitely took this virus quite serious in Australia. And I, I, I understand, but maybe in the future that'll change. Yeah, it's been wild. It's been a wild couple of years, but so glad to to have you on and to be able to talk with you. And so with, with these podcasts, I like to start off by um, having the guests share a bit about their background, sort of where they come from, kind of where you grew up, what it was like, and and how you first became involved in ministry. So Brother Hoffman, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us, just so the listeners get a, a bit of an idea of where you're coming from. It was cute because I was in Sydney one time and I said I was raised in a place so small it's not even on the map. And that night when we came back, I said that on a Sunday morning, that night when we came back, someone in the church had a satellite picture of the little house that I had been raised in. And so they said, don't say it's not on the map. So uh, someone over there did find me, but uh, I was raised in a, a little coal mine town in, in a, a state called West Virginia. And uh, I had a very good pastor but I was raised in a terrible church. It was terrible. And uh, <laughs> um, so I made up my mind that uh, I, my family didn't have any money. And I knew that my, my only chance to whatever get out of there was if I would give myself to my studies and to my, to my schooling. And so I did that for five years and uh, and finally got to the point where you know I, I had enough scholarships and grants to be able to go where I wanted to go and I thought it was all taken care of and then my father said to me my, my sister died when I was small and so I was the only child and my dad came to me and said uh, no one in our family has ever gone to college, you would be the very first one. And he said, I, I don't doubt that you can pretty much accomplish whatever you set your mind to. But he said, if, if, if you gain the whole world, and he said, don't ever doubt, Satan can give you the whole world. But he said, if you did get the whole world and you lost your soul, he said, I personally, as, as a dad, would feel like I failed. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to take one year, one year of your life and go to a Bible college seminary. And after that, 
one year. Um, if you don't want to stay there, if you want to come back and go to college, I'll, I'll help you go to any college you want to go to, which my dad didn't understand what he was saying. And I knew that if I did delay for a year, probably most of that scholarship stuff would dry up. But I submitted to my dad. I, I, I hear people talk about the day they were called to preach and I never had that experience. I, uh, um, I never wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> I wanted to make money. I wanted to get out of West Virginia. I, I didn't like the small mindedness, the clannishness of it. I wanted out. And, uh, so, uh, I went to a Bible college in Texas and I, I just, I was, I had this magnificent man that I respected. His name was JT Pugh. And he came to that school and preached. And I, I, I don't remember much about it. I, I just, I just remember at three in the morning, some lady coming and grabbing me and saying, you, you have to get some sleep, Harold. You, you, you've got to go to work in the morning and you've got school. And I, I just, I was under a pew and I, I guess that was the day when things really changed in my life. And so, um, <laughs> It was a great, it's a great story. I don't want to take up too much time, but I, I, I had a man call me and he said, uh, what are you going to do this summer when school's out? And I said, I, I don't know. And he said, well, I want you, I want to be the first one to invite you to preach. Hmm. And uh, I, I said, I want you to come here and speak for three weeks. And, and I said, I, I only have two sermons. And he said, well, you'll get some more come and come and spend. It. And so the two weeks became three months and I, I spent the whole summer with him. We were in church all summer and it was a great revival, great uh, time. And at the end, I asked him, why, why did you pick me? Why did you ask me to come? And he said, years ago, I, I was in a terrible car accident and I, um, I killed two people. Hmm. He said, I was, I was so distraught and so guilty. I, I felt so bad. He, you know, he said it wasn't alcohol. It was just, he fell asleep at the wheel and hit some people and they died. And it was, and he, and he said, I, I always felt a touch of God on my life. And he said, I left, I was in Indiana and I just took off driving. And he said, I drove for two days and I ended up in this little town in West Virginia and I was walking down the street and some man came up to me and started talking to me. And he, he said, my clothes were pretty shabby and my shoes were very old. And he said, this man said, come here. He said, he took me into a store and he bought me two new suits and he bought me a pair of shoes. And uh, he said, it was, he said, the man never knew me. He said, it was just off the cuff. And he just encouraged me. And he said, that turned my life around. And he went on to become a very, very successful preacher and build a great church. And he said, that man was your dad here. Wow. And he said, I said, Brother Hoffman, I don't know how, but one day I'm going to pay you back. And he said, when I found out that I had, that he had a boy that was going to be a preacher, he said, I knew that was my chance. And, uh, and that that opened up so many doors for me. And so then I, I started traveling when I got out of school and married Renee and 
And again, my dad has played such a role in my life. We, uh, Renee's dad was a field supervisor for the South Pacific. As a matter of fact, Brother Slack and my father-in-law, Brother Cook, were very, very good friends. And so Renee and I had been married just a, a couple months. And he said, do you have a passport? And I said, no, I, I don't have a passport. He said, well, would you like to go to Japan? And I, I was, I said, absolutely. And uh, he said, well, you need to raise $10,000. And there's a missionary that's coming home for a couple years in Okinawa and they need someone. And they said, why don't you and Renee to go to Okinawa? I think you would enjoy that experience. And so I had enough friends by then. They, they, they gave me money and Renee and I had only been married a couple months and uh, <laughs> we, uh, we ended up in Okinawa and wow. it was fascinating because this woman got a, got a, got the Holy ghost there, little girl, Japanese girl. She, she had such a great baptism. She couldn't speak in Japanese or English for three days. And uh, she just, it, it was a powerful thing. And when I called brother Judd, brother Judd was the uh, secretary for the foreign missions division back then. He told me, to our knowledge, Mina, that's this girl's name, Mina Okudada, is the first Okinawan to ever have been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. That's incredible. And I, I think it's Isaiah, but one of those scriptures said, I will be praised in the islands. And that scripture and that other one, you know, I'm going to have somebody from every tribe and every kindred and every tongue. And that came alive there yeah. with her. And it's a long story, but she ended up in... <laughs> She ended up going to college in Austin, Texas. And then I taught a, bap, a Bible study to a, a Buddhist uh, boy uh, here. He was Japanese and he got the Holy Ghost and Mina came to visit us. They got married. They had four children. And my dad, my dad worked very, very hard and he only got two weeks vacation. And even though he worked for years at the two weeks vacation and one week, Every year of that vacation, we went to a camp meeting in Ohio mm -hmm. and uh, people criticized him, said he was crazy for why would you go to church for 50% <laughs> of your vacation? But I met Renee at that camp meeting, my wife, when she was 11 and I was 14. And I, I made up my mind then that I, that's who I wanted to marry. And uh um, her family was kind of apostolic aristocracy and my folks were all hillbillies and people said, you're, you're never going to marry that girl, but they were wrong. And I did. And so my dad came to work with me. And one day we were dedicating one of Mina and Makito's children who now he's our youth pastor. His name is Kento Mori. We were dedicating him. when He was a baby. My dad, my dad never cried, never cried. But he came up to me that day with big tears and he said, now do you understand, Harry, mm -hmm. that if I would have never gone to that camp meeting, you would have never met Renee. If you wouldn't have met Renee, you would have never ended up in Japan. Mina would have never had the Holy Ghost. We wouldn't be dedicating this little boy today yeah. if I hadn't gone to that camp meeting. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you look back over your shoulder and that scripture really came alive to me that your steps are ordered. Yeah. You can yeah. see the uh, the dedication from your from your father and, and his sacrifice and his willingness to be used by God didn't just yes. um, work through his ministry, but it translated 
into your ministry when it came to the opportunities for you to preach um, with that one man in Texas and then by uh, the relationships that you were able to form in Ohio. That's incredible. I could listen to your stories all day. <laughs> I really could. Um, he, but he, I just buried him. I buried him in July. He, he, mm-hmm. he died. That's about seven months ago. And, and it was just, uh, he, you know, when I got married, he said, who's going to be your best man? And I said, you, mm-hmm. and he said, no, 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 no. You got one of your friends. And I said, no, daddy, you're, you've always been my best friend. And so he was always my best man, you know, and he played such a pivotal role in my life. And, and, uh, there's a church here in, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, it's called Calvary Tabernacle. And it's, it's kind of a flagship. There's, I'm sure people in Australia, you've probably heard of it, but, mm-hmm. uh, so just a couple of weeks before my dad died, he was 93 and he was kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of crying a little bit. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I wish, I wish I would have done more for God in my life. And I said, well, you, you probably did more than you've given yourself credit for. <laughs> and he said, well, why would you say that? And I said, well, you remember when you went to that little town in Illinois and, and, and taught a Bible study for this family called the Carsons? And he said, Yes, yes, yes. Their, their, their marriage was in trouble and my mom and dad restored them. They, they got in the church and they had this little boy named Josh. I said, do you remember that little blonde haired kid named Joshua Carson? He said, yeah, I remember him. I said, well, he's not a little boy anymore, daddy. And I said, last week he was voted in as the pastor of Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis. And I said, if you would have never gone to Illinois, daddy, Calvary wouldn't have the great pastor that they have right now. So you did more than you gave yourself credit for. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. I, I did want to talk a little bit about ministry because I do want to get some of your insight. Like I said, I could listen to your stories for hours. And and one of the one of my favorite, you know, sections of your sermons is when you do share some of these stories. I was actually just talking to someone the other day about one illustration you used recently. Uh, it might not have been that recently, but a few months ago, you're talking about a uh, a guy in the same sort of town of you of you guys in West Virginia, and he was talking about uh, one day he was going to travel to this city, and it was just like the other side of the river, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like that was a sort of mindset of of where you come from in West Virginia that yes. man people just yes. did not travel and and they just stayed, you know, oh. and and you've been all over the world, you've ministered all across the world. Uh, for a number of decades, you've been an evangelist. You were a missionary there for a while as well in Japan. What what impact do you, you think that, that time that you had in Japan as a young minister had on your ministry moving forward? I I, I had never seen people in mass. I'd never seen that. And when I got to Japan, that we you know we stayed there for a year and a half, and then. The missionary came back, and so my mother-in-law and father-in-law traveled together occasionally. She still had three children back home, and so, but every now and then they would come and travel together. and And he got a hold of me, and he said, "My wife can't come, and I, all the tickets are non-refundable. Would you like to go with me when you leave Okinawa for for seven weeks?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Absolutely," and so. Renee came back home and I went with my father-in-law. We went to uh, 
36 different countries in seven wow. weeks. And it was, it was everywhere, you know, Taiwan and China and Thailand and uh, 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 it just went on and on and on. And when I, when I got into Shanghai and then we got into Tokyo and I had never seen people in mass. I was just a hillbilly kid. Just when I saw those kind of crowds, they, it, it, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And so now after all these years, I don't know how many, but every year, at least twice a year, we have a group of young people go somewhere mm -hmm. and whatever sacrifice we have to make as a church, we, we, we do things to help them. They, they raise some of the money, but if they can't get it, we underwrite it. Cause I want those kids. Um, yesterday, I, I, we have a girl from our church that's going to Paraguay. Um, uh, two weeks ago, we had a girl from, they're going, they're going to back to Vietnam for three months and then going back to Malaysia as missionaries. It just, it's went on and on. And it's like, when I tried to expose as many young people to those things that it changed my life. Mm -hmm. Once you see people in mass and you realize what kind of job we really have to do, it changes you. Yeah. It changes you. Yeah, it really does. And, and when you get outside your own culture, you get outside your own experience and you start experiencing other countries, it really, I don't know why, but it really does have a profound impact on you. I remember the first few times I traveled outside of a Western, a Western country, and it just really leaves a, a deep mark on you. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm grateful. And yeah. everything I have, I owe to the church. You mm. know, every, I mean, even now the, the house I live in, the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the, the friends that I have, I owe everything to the kingdom. And mm. it, and it was, if you'd have told me as a boy, I was always alone as a, there was, I was raised in a small church. There was nobody in the church that was my age. So I was alone and my parents worked a lot. And so I, I had a fishing pole and a shotgun and a dog. And so I fished in the summer and hunted in the winter. And I was alone a lot. And that was good because I, I knew, I knew even as a kid, I wasn't like everybody else. I didn't want to be like everybody else. And, and I looked, but if you'd have told me back then that you'd travel millions of miles and visit all these places, that was, that was, that was an impossible fantasy back then, but it's true now. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Incredible. It's all because of the kingdom. Amen. Everything. Amen. And we're so blessed. Uh, what advice would you give uh, a young leader, someone who is stepping into ministry, someone who feels a call to, to something greater? What advice would, would you give them when it comes to ministry, when it comes to their walk with God? I made a list of 10 men when I was just beginning, 10 men that I wanted to meet. I, the first one at the top of the list was a guy named G.T. Haywood. I didn't know he died in 1931. <laughs> He was just, I read this little book that he wrote called uh, The Victim of the Flaming Sword. And mm. and it just, I said, if I'm ever going to be a pre preacher, that's the kind of preacher I want to be. He, he, he just full of scripture. And so that I had nine others. I, I had J.T. Pugh and James Kilgore and Brother Mangan and David Gray and Jeff Arnold. And I met all of those other nine and became friends with basically all of them and mm. and with the sister mangan still alive and jeff arnold still alive but the others are gone and uh, 
<laughs> I I don't have the heart to take their phone numbers out of my telephone. I I I just uh, but. The Bible said, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. And if you, a companion of fools will be destroyed. And I think it's the message, message or NIV. One of them says, if you walk with stupid people, you're going to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a cowboy here in the stage, John Wayne. He's kind of like the patron saint of all cowboys. And I love, he said something one time. He said, life's hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would say to young men, get some people that you respect and get a hold of them. Mm. And it's easier to get a hold of people now today than ever before. But what I found was that these men that I so revered and I so respected, if, if, if they sense that I was hungry, they, they had all the time in the world for me. And you see these people and you go, Oh, I'm bothering them. I don't, they don't want to mess with me. That's not true. That's not true. If you're hungry, those men will sense in you the same interrogative questing spirit that was in you and they'll they'll talk to you mm. they'll talk to you and yeah. i that's what i would say i i i always said you you need a you need a time and you need a place um where do you pray and what time do you pray mm. you 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 have to establish prayer in 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 your life and the the last thing i would say is memorize scripture i i personally don't think there's anything more powerful than quoted scripture that you've prayed over mm -hmm. uh, you memorize three verses a day you can you can memorize the new testament in less than three years and people say well that's impossible no nah, it's really not it's just i men in our church they work eight hours a day so my deal was if they're going to work eight hours a day at their job, then I need to work that at mine. Mm. And so I gave myself to that. And so you, you'll find that as you memorize scripture, the Lord will quicken it to your mind. And all of a sudden you start linking things together. And yeah. it, it, it's what I call progressions. You know, this scripture leads you to this one. This one leads you. To, and, it, and, and it just, um, you know, I, I have some stories. You, you get stories with time. My daughter one time, she said, Daddy, you need some new stories. And I said, <laughs> no, I don't. I just need a new audience. Exactly. I, I got exactly. great stories. You do. I just need people that have never heard my story. <laughs> you get stories with time, but you don't just want to be a, a, a story preacher. You, 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 you want, now like Paul, you know, Paul, Paul was educated by Gamaliel. And, but when he got in front of Agrippa, Instead of dipping his tongue in a rainbow and trying to impress Agrippa with his, whatever, his, his knowledge. And it, he said, uh, I was riding on a horse a couple of years ago. And the next thing I know, I, I was sitting in the middle of the road talking to the sky, you know. And when you get into Revelation, it says they overcame by the power of the blood and the word of their testimony. And we're mm. apostolic people. And so we really, really reverence, and we should, the blood of Jesus but in that verse, it really puts your testimony on par with the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And it's like Paul got in front of Agrippa. He knew the most powerful weapon in his arsenal was his own personal testimony. Yeah. And no one, you can't prove a negative, you know, you can prove a positive, but you can't prove a negative. So no one can ever tell you that didn't happen to you because it did. And mm. it, when you have valid experiences in prayer and with God, that that that's 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 not theoretical knowledge. That's 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 you know that's 
you you lived that that's yours and and so that, that that's powerful but I, I would say to young you know every day I, I try to read I made a promise to an old preacher years ago I was I was 19 years old his name was Wayne Mitchell I said he said promise me you'll read at least one book every week for the rest of your life hmm. and so for the most part I kept that I kept I've kept that and I read three things. I, I read, uh, I try to read scripture and then I try to read something that's about scripture. And then I read something else, biographies, histories, because when you preach, you just don't want to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, I feel the Holy ghost. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I call cool whip. You know, it's, there's just people that really believe that whipped cream is a food group, you know, and it's just, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen preachers get mad because the crowd wouldn't respond to them. And my deal is that's not, that's not, their problem that's your problem you didn't give them something that excited them enough to want to worship and shout so yeah. i found that if you i don't know who said it when preparation meets opportunity good things happen hmm. it's like if you're going to get up there anthony mangan told me something powerful years ago he said i spend as much time preparing to lead a service as i do when i preach at one hmm. <laughs> And I've never heard anybody say yeah. that because, you know, the preacher's the big guy. He's the big kahuna. But, but, and when I would be in services with Anthony Megan, I, I, he just didn't get up there and go, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, let's all clap our hands. He had something to say. Yeah. You know? So I applied that to our prayer meeting years ago here. I said, we're going to approach our Monday night prayer with as much planning as we do a Sunday service. Uh, it changed everything. So yeah. we we always have special speakers. We we do a lot of different things on Monday night. Now we have a lot of other pastors visiting our Monday night prayer because it's we've never made it mandatory. But you know, with we we have two services on Sunday and then we have prayer meeting on Monday. It's full. It's full on Monday night prayer, and it it's because we baptize more people and more people get the Holy Ghost on at Monday night prayer than in church. Wow. <laughs> and it's, and I got that from Anthony Megan. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to do that, but just get up there and say, okay, uh, I got to be here for an hour. So I got to pray for all the missionaries. And then I'll mention all the pastors around here and that ought to burn up about 35 minutes. And then I'll think of some people that need healed and I'll do that. And then I, I, we don't do that. It's the deal is let's prayer is to me is like, it's like a safe cracker. It's like, Every time you go to pray, you're, you're like turning these tumblers and going, uh, all right, God, where, where do you want me to go tonight? You know, where mm. do you want me to worship? Do you want me to intercede? Do you want me to sing? Do you want me to quote scripture? And, and, and that's what I do in prayer. It's like, you do that for a while. It's not working. So change, do something else, change. And you're trying to find the, the combination that opens up the door of the spirit that says, this is where he wants us to yeah. be tonight, you know? Yeah, that all goes back to your what you said about when, or is it when opportunity meets? Is it preparation? When opportunity meets preparation, yeah. good things happen, and so, yeah, take that attitude towards everything that you do, and especially towards your calling. Make sure that you're well prepared for that yes. opportunity. I I had one. There's a scripture, Romans eight. It says, you know, all things work together. They say this is how most people quote it. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That's not what it says. It says all things work together for the good of the called. 
according mm. to his purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and it puts a great emphasis because you think of it, the scripture said, he called us and those that he called, it, it, it said he justified and those that he justified, he, he would glorify. And it just, it all starts with that. You, you have to really, sometimes that's all you have. When I came here in Michigan years ago, all I had was the knowledge in my heart that this was, that I was the guy for this city and I had my wife. And so I've said for years, if I could get along with Jesus and Renee, then I felt like I could run into hell with a squirt gun, you know? <laughs> Sometimes that's all you got. Hmm. You, you know, I was called. Yeah. I'm not yeah. just called. I'm the called. I'm right. the guy. And that you can interpret that as arrogance. I interpret that as it's not a, a, a right. It, it's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, I'm going to be held accountable. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't say the guy with two talents did any less than the man with five. They both doubled what they possessed. And, and uh, it's just, I, I don't know many people that have multiple gifts. Most of us are just solitarily gifted individuals, but man, he's, he's going to expect a return. <laughs> yeah, he is. I was just going to ask you about the memorization. So I found, I did Bible quizzing growing up and yeah. memorized thousands and thousands of scriptures, but I memorized them all in the King James version. And then yes. I do a lot of my daily Bible reading in the, in, in different versions, like NASB, yes. NKJV, yes. Yes. Do you recommend memorization in the KJV? I use I, I use NIV. I use the New International Version. I use the Message a lot. Uh, I love the Amplified. I don't like them for doctrine. They, mm-hmm. they 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 dumb doctrine down. But the the thing that I love about those alternative versions is you know there's just things in Proverbs and Psalms that they they just make it so much more palatable and. I, I've always depended on the King James for my principal text because I felt it was about the truest translation in English from the mm-hmm. Greek. And uh, so I'm not adverse to other translation. I know some people get very adversarial about it. I, 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 I don't. I, I really enjoy a lot of this stuff, you know. And, uh, but do you, like you, do, you me- do you memorize in the KJV, though? So would it, when you come to memorizing your scriptures, do you do that in the King James I, Version? I memorize strictly with King James. Yeah. That's what I do. Okay. But I'm not adverse to the other. Yeah. Yeah. I I just the found that. that into the church, you know, the people that are coming in, um, some of it's just got too much stained glass, you know. They, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to be an effective communicator. And so yeah. that's why I use the alternative ones. Yeah. And so well, if you want to memorize that, hey, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, this leads us nicely into uh, talking about preaching. So I've tried my absolute best to keep this from being a podcast only about preaching because you're one of my favorite preachers. I, I love listening to your sermons and and uh, I pretty much listen to, to you weekly or at least every couple of weeks. I'm, I'm listening to one of your messages through the First Church podcast and, and been doing so for over a decade now. Um <laughs> Wow. Yeah, well, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but my first interaction with you, well, one of my first interactions with you, I was staying at your place when uh, Steph was, and, and I'm about to make myself look foolish to the entire podcast, but 
I was staying at your place when I was dating Steph. Uh, I think you were, Sister Gina asked you to uh, suss me out and see, you know, what kind of guy I was. And so I was, I was staying at your place and on the Sunday, I think it was Father's Day. It was Father's Day weekend. Um, yeah, because you talked about the Smiths. You talked about that how that Israel uh, didn't have any Smiths and that fathers yeah. need to be Smiths. But anyway, I remember on that Sunday, I was uh, I, I sat through Sunday school, and then I think this was back when you guys still had the one service. So I sat through Sunday school, and then after the break, everyone was meeting with each other. And then you came up to me and you're like, okay, come up and sit on the platform. I want you to greet the church. And I'm like, I'm panicking. And Steph's like, oh, no, Ralph, and he, <laughs> he doesn't need to do that. And, and your wife, Sister Renee, she's like, oh, leave him alone. Leave him alone. But you ended up bringing me up to the stage and I was able to greet the church. And I remember because my wife's loved your preaching ever since you came to Australia. And uh, she had talked to me uh, about you, but I'd never heard you preach. And so I made this dumb comment when, uh, before you were about to preach, I said, I, I heard, you know, Brother Hoffman is an incredible, or Pastor Hoffman's an incredible preacher, and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing his message today. I guess we'll see. <laughs> and the whole church, like, cracked up. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then I sat through, like, an hour of one of the greatest sermons, and I'm just like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> uh, just, I remember doing a Bible study, uh, and said, and I asked the crowd, uh, what did I teach last Wednesday? And nobody responded. And then they were kind of embarrassed. And I said, you know what? I don't even remember what I said <laughs> last Wednesday. So don't, don't take it personal, you know? It's like sometimes you get up there and, and it's good. And there's other times you just uh, you just want to crawl in a hole. So yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a roll of the dice. So I get that. So would you mind, uh, with that in mind, would you mind sharing with us your approach when it comes to study and sermon prep? You don't, you don't have to go into great detail, but you know, some of the things that you do when it, when it comes to your weekly study and your sermon preparation. Well, like, like now, um, we're, we're in a capital campaign for a new building. And so for nine Sundays, I've had a subject that was given to me. And so that was a little, that was a little different for me to where, um, you know, it's like, I think it's the 24th of April when we really start bringing our offering and that. So, but, but when this is different, you know, I, 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 I've been like with Bible study, I enjoyed series. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I found that people, people liked series it, it, it and so like on Wednesday, I, it's a little different now because we have life groups very similar to your, your home fellowships that you have in Sydney and tomorrow night we do two semesters a year of life groups and then tomorrow night begins my bible class and I do it for six weeks and then they do life groups again until uh, uh, the fall and then we have, so there's two times a year there's 12 weeks during the year when I I do a bible class on Wednesday and uh, two times of six weeks uh, but when I used to do it every Wednesday it's probably a good lesson because, you know, I gave myself the Bible study for so long and kind of like that, that was my baby. You can't have Wednesday. That's mine. <laughs> and that's why the church, they're coming to hear me, you know, I'm the guy and, 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 and I'm doing such a good job at this. And they said, we want to go into uh, life groups and it's going to really bite into your, 
Bible study time. <laughs> well, I, I backed away. Now we would never go back to the way we did it before. Because I, I taught some of these people, Greg, for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Same people for 25 mm -hmm. years. Like, you know, have you got it yet? You know, some <laughs> of them still didn't have it. And it was like, and so we have baptized more people in the last two years because of these life groups. With all this pandemic thing, I don't know what it was like in Australia, but a lot of the American churches lost a significant amount of their people and they didn't get them back. They mm -hmm. haven't come back. Yeah. And I was just talking to a pastor very recently who's very, very, very well known over here. He had a third of his church go. He went from 900 down to 600. They've never come back. And he, oh, wow. it's really bought. And I'm, I'm saying this to the glory of God, it's, but our, we grew during the pandemic. It, 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 we, we've grown significantly in the last two years. And I attribute it to these life groups. And, um, but, but as far as the study thing, I, I did a thing on Genesis, for instance. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. I took one every Wednesday for a year. And, uh, and it, it was just fun. And people loved it. They loved it. We went through the whole book of Genesis and it worked so good. I said, okay, we're going to go through Exodus. So, you know, and we did those, those 40 chapters in Exodus. And then, and then I, Leviticus has always been one of my favorite books. And people look at me like I'm weird when I say <laughs> that, but I just have always loved that book, you know? And, and so then, so that was, that was like three years right there. Just every week we took a chapter and, and, and I, I just really dug into that. And so Renee will say, what are you preaching this Sunday? And I say, I don't know. And she says, what do you mean you don't know? You've been reading for hours and hours and hours every day. And I said, you got to understand, honey, you got to be inspired. You got to mm. be inspired. And so that's what I do. I, I read Bible. I memorize scripture. I read additional things a lot of biographies, a lot of history. I, I want, I, one of the greatest compliments that I get pretty regular is people say, I learned something today. I mm. learned something today. And I, 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 so it, to me, it brings people back and it gets them excited. And, and you're not just up there talking in tongues and saying, hallelujah. It's like, God can't anoint it if you didn't take the time to put it in there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. You, you got, it's just time. I, I, there's no, remember Paul one time, he talked about laboring in the word and I, I, I you understand what that means. I, it's like, there's just sometimes you dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and, and all of a sudden you go to pray and something goes and you mm. go, oh, there yeah. it is. There it is. And when we built our first building, I, I probably didn't pray a dozen hours the whole year. You know, we work six days a week, just morning till night. We build the, it was, I would, this one that we're doing now said, we're not building this building. We're going to let somebody else build this one for us. Cause <laughs> it was just, and God was gracious to me. It's like, I would be so exhausted and I'd be a lot of times walking onto the platform and God would give me this, just this little thing, you know, and, and I would preach like I was a general conference, you know, it's mm. like, wow. You know, where'd that come from? But when we moved into the building, 
it was like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, okay, I've been carrying you for a year now. <laughs> now you can get back to the books and go bend your knees again. And, and it's time to play catch up, you know? And, and, but I, I just, I want somebody to take me somewhere. I want somebody, I, I either scripturally or historically or both or whatever. It's just, give, give, it's like Brother Tenney. No, I miss him so much because he was such a vital part of my life. And I just never, I was never around anybody like that that just kind of like took my brains out and hosed them off and put them back dripping in my head. It was like, he would just do stuff and I go, whoa, where did that come from, you know? And I spent a lot of time with him, but Brother Tenney, he just read. He just mm. read constantly, constantly, constantly. And when you refill those wells of inspiration on a regular basis, and, and that's all I can tell young men, it, it just takes time. It yeah. just, but, but don't be lazy. Get in the word. Get in the word and start reading, you know? And and your crowd, they'll... they'll they'll go, why did you stop? You know, it's like, well, but, but it's, if you, if you really take your time and you, you can not just be anointed, but you can be interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that if people they have been working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, they're coming on Sunday, they're slap wore out. They're giving you the highest compliment you could ever, I mean, they should stay in bed, man. Send a little white envelope and, and say, there you go. But they show up. And my deal is if people are going to give me those non-refundable fragments of eternity called time, then I ought to have enough sense and enough discipline to make sure that when they come to hear me, I'm ready and they've got something worth listening to. I just wanted to ask you this, and you touched on it a little bit there uh, a, a few minutes ago. You, you were talking about how you love Leviticus and I, I never heard anyone say they love Leviticus. Everyone complains <laughs> about their you know, their yearly Bible reading getting killed in Leviticus. And and you mentioned how you, you like bringing revelation from what many people might consider obscure passages in the Bible. Why is it that that brings you such joy when, when it comes to administering the Word of God? I enjoy taking places that people have passed over. And like, remember this, what's it say? All Scripture. Not, not just uh, all scripture is given by the inspiration and it says it's profitable. Hmm. And it says doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. And it's not original with me, but I read something years ago and it said doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what is not right. Correction is how to get right and instruction is how to stay right. Hmm. And I enjoyed that. And it was like, there, there's just places in that Bible that most people never, ever, ever read. And so... It's like the first chapter of Matthew. Most people don't read that lineage. And when you get into Luke, you know, Luke but uh, uh, does the same thing, but it's different. You know, the, the lineage in Luke is completely different than the one in Matthew. And, and so, and like Leviticus, people just said, that's boring. But when you read the first five chapters, it's the offerings. You know, you got the burn offering and you've got the, the peace offering and the sin offering, trespass offering. It's just... And, and I started studying these things and it just, it came alive with me. And, and, and I guess I just enjoyed surprising people with, there's really some good stuff here. If you'll just take your time yeah. to dig it out. You know? mm. Remember the scripture said, search for, I think it's talking about wisdom, but it said, search for her like, like hidden silver and seek her like gold. And 
because there's a great scripture in Colossians 2. It says, because hidden in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge from the foundation of the earth. And I read something years ago. It said, you got to move a, a ton of dirt to get an ounce of gold. And it's the same way in the Bible. You, you just, you got to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. And all of a sudden something goes, oh, and it's the elephant in the room, you know. And I just enjoy taking scriptures that people say i've read that a hundred times and then all of a sudden you're done and they're going wow where did that come from <laughs> and it was it was there all the time yeah you know it, 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 it's like the scripture it says um with god nothing is impossible and everybody takes that verse and says that means that he can do anything yeah but it can mean something else it can mean this with god nothing is impossible hmm. In other words, if you have him, you 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 it's impossible to say I have nothing. Yeah. That's you so know, it's like he meets these people and he said, Have you caught any fish? And they say, We toiled or not, we caught nothing. And he said, No, 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 I'm here now. Cast your net on the right side. And it's like, who else but Jesus is gonna ask you to throw your net in the very same place that you failed again and again and again? And it says they caught this great host of fish and and, you know, we don't have anything. No, 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 I'm here. If I'm here, it's impossible to have not, like perfect peace have them that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That means that people say, see there, you're never supposed to be offended. No, no, it, it's not just saying it. It's saying nothing should offend you. Hmm. In other words, if nobody's getting baptized, that ought to offend you. If, yeah. if nobody's getting the Holy Ghost, you know, if nothing's going on, that ought to be very offensive to you. Amen. <laughs> And and I like taking verses like that and 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 people go, oh, okay, you know, I, I see that and and make the thing come alive and not just some boring. I have a Bible that that you know I write in and I under I have another Bible just like it. I don't ever underline it because I I I do think you should make your Bible yours. So I I've worn a bunch of them out through the years. But what I found was if I underlined a part of that verse. Then every time I read that verse in that Bible, that's all I saw was that place that I underlined. And it's, 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 it's like uh, Isaiah where it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And so what I would do is I would take, I would emphasize different words, you know, in that didn't do it, in the year, in the year that King Uzziah died. And so I kept going and it said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also i saw mm. also. and it was like so here's isaiah who's a lawyer and involved he's and he's prophetic and so he and he knew he knew that israel was going into a downward slide that they would never recover from but he said i didn't just see the bad stuff i saw the lord right and i i saw something else and it's like so many people just get sidetracked with all the doom and the gloom and and I've said this for, I, I got this in a prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago. It's like, I've, you know, is the glass half empty or is it half full? And I've always tried to be one of these guys where the glass is half full. You know, I wanted to be a positive preacher, not a negative preacher. But, but the truth is, if you're not going to serve the Lord, <laughs> um, you, you better hang on because it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. It it really is going down. But then in, in Isaiah, it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, 
there'll be no end. So if you don't serve the Lord, it is going to get worse. But if you choose to serve the Lord, it's just going to keep getting better. Amen. So one's half empty and one's half full, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like, if you don't serve the Lord, I, I, I was in uh, Toronto, Canada a while ago, and I was eating in this restaurant and I looked beside me and there's this guy named Ted Turner who owns CNN. Yeah. yeah. He's a billionaire. He's yeah. the largest landowner in the United States. He owns millions of acres. And who, who knows? He's worth billions. It's, who knows how much money he has? And so he signed his slip there. And he was yelling at the waitresses and they were all nervous around him. And he signed his uh, credit card thing for his meal and left. And I couldn't help it. I just <laughs> slid my chair over and I looked and he didn't leave a tip. You're kidding. You're kidding. It's like, here's a guy that's worth nine zeros and he's too cheap to leave this little girl that's working her rear off 10 bucks, you know? And so when I look at that, I say, you better enjoy this world, pal, because this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. Mm -hmm. But if you serve the Lord, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. Wow. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, we had a man one time complain in our church, the, the music's too loud, the music's too loud. And I, I got so angry at him. I said, in eternity, you're going to have to decide what kind of noise do you want to hear? Because if you think hell's going to be quiet, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the other option is thou art worthy O Lord, mm -hmm. to receive glory and honor. It's like, so I, I just, one's negative, one's positive, you know? And remember, remember that verse where, there's a verse i think it's in ezekiel where satan said i'm going to be like the most high and i'm going to dwell on the sides of the north and and I, and i'm sure there are exceptions to this but i've lived in so many places through the years when i lived in houston texas it was the north part of the city that was the richest when I lived in Indianapolis, it's the north part of the city. When I lived in St. Louis, here in Detroit, it's the north part of the city. I don't know what it's like in Sydney, but north, I guess you go yeah. south, it's all water, Nor you know. Northern it's beaches, like, Bondi, that's the wealthy part of the city. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, what? remember that scripture says, beautiful, beautiful situ for situation is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. And it was like, I think that's why... Satan hates the church. One of the reasons he hates is everything that Satan wanted, you and I get. You know, mm -hmm. he said, I'm going to be like the most high. But John said, It doth not yet appear what we shall. We know that when we we're going to be like him. You know, mm -hmm. David said, I, I won't be content until I wake in his likeness. Wow, you know? and that's it, amazing. So, and he said, I'm going up. Guess what? Every he just keeps, he's like Jonah, you know. Jonah goes down to Joppa and then he goes down in the ship and then he gets down in the fish. And it's like everything about Satan, he keeps getting demoted, you know. Yeah. And remember that verse that said, it's in Luke where he said, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. I always thought that meant before the garden. That's what I was. That's what I always taught. That's what I always heard. But when you read it in the other translations, it says this, I saw Satan fall as you were going. Mm. <laughs> and as wow. he set those men out, it's just every, everything about him. And it's like, I'm going to dwell on the sides of the North. No, nah, I don't think so. That's reserved for the church. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, you man, know, that... I'm, going, 
I'm going to go up. No, we're going to go up. You know, I'm yeah. going to be like it. Or we're going to be like it. Now I'm going to live here. No, you aren't, dude. There's, there's change reserved for you. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how I got on that subject. Uh, I don't care. That was, that was so good. <laughs> I don't care how you got there. All I know is that was something I needed to hear. That gave me fresh revelation, especially where you're talking about where uh, Satan said that he wanted to be like God. And then yeah. we're going to be the ones that are like him. Oh, that yes. that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, kind yeah. of piggybacking off of that a little bit, because uh, you were talking about the future and, and how things are probably going to get a bit worse. But yet, if you're in the church, this is our greatest hour. You've been preaching yes. in the church for decades, serving in ministry. You've preached all across America, all across the world. And, uh, and, and, and part of the apostolic church, helping it to grow through conferences, camp meetings, through your local assembly, through missions and so on. What excites you about the church in 2022? Young, what is it? Young people. Mm. Quality and the caliber of the young men and the young women that are in the kingdom. And a lot of them will be raised. They're, 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 they're our children. They're our offspring. But you you get your strength in a church from your elders, but you get your life from your young people. Mm. And, and if you don't have young people, it's, it's dead. It yeah. could be wealthy. It can be very, very solid, but, but so is a big granite tombstone, you know, very solid with, you know, and it's just, um, the thing that just inspires me. And, and I, I'm, I'll say this and, and we can close. We I'd love to do it again at a later date if you would like to, but it's like, Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I, in my mind, Greg, in my mind, I'm still 35, <laughs> but my hair's gray and, and what hair I have left. And I, I started teaching a, a, a couple lessons a while ago. It was simply entitled, where do we go from here? Because all of these elders that I respected, they're, they're dead. They're dead. And uh, now it's like what you're saying to me. I, I, I take it with a grain of salt, but it, it's what I used to say to J.T. Pugh. It's what I used to say to Brother Kilgore and Brother Mangan. And I, I had to look in the mirror and realize I'm, I'm 64. I'm, I'm now the age of those men mm -hmm. that I used to look up to. Yep. You, you... You never knew those guys that I knew. They're gone. They're just. Yeah, I was in. I was in Oklahoma doing a camp recently, and and two of these older men were talking about N. A. Urshan and an old preacher named M. D. Deal, and and uh, they were talking uh, uh, about J. T. Pugh, and there was two little boys there, and the one looked at the other. He said, "That was before they had names." <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of these guys that I knew didn't have names, you know, they just had initials, but uh, I, 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 I started studying Acts 2 again, you know, and there's more in Acts 2 than just verse 38. And, and there's this great, Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And this is what Peter said. He said, it shall come and pass in the last days that I'll pour up my spirit upon all flesh. Said your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, you know, servants, handmaids, on and on, you know. 
And people said Peter quoted Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He didn't. He didn't quote it exactly. Because Peter said, it'll come to pass in the last days. That's not what Joel said. Joel said, it'll come to pass afterward. Mm-hmm. And so my question was, after what? And the answer is in verse 27, right before it. It said, I'm the Lord your God, and my people will never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward. I'll pour out my spirit. And it was like, I think that's one reason why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's like, I, I was, I, I, I lied about where I went to church. I was ashamed of Pentecost. But now, I mean, just look at Sydney. Look at, look at the building you people have. Mm. <laughs> we're building a building right now. It's $10 million. And it's like, those, those numbers were impossible years ago. But there it is. You know, it's just, we've got that kind of money. And Brother Pugh told me before he died, he said, you're in the fourth and, gener- fourth and fifth generation people. He said, they've been paying tithes for five generations. He called it a tsunami. He said, it has created a wave of blessing that's coming to you. And he said, I wish I could be alive to see it, Harold, but you'll see it. And he said, my caution to you is don't squander the money. Mm-hmm. You're going to have millions of dollars go through your fingers. Don't waste them. And, and, and it's just like, uh, I, I was asked to pray at, for here in Detroit, uh, they had National Day of Prayer, and I was scared to death. Uh, all the television was there, and, and, and all of these high-profile people were there, politicians. And so uh, the man that was running it was a pastor, a Pentecostal pastor in the city. And so there were 8,000 people in the crowd, and probably 5,000 of them were Pentecostals. And so they, they have this Catholic priest pray before me. It was horrible. It was mm. horrible. Mm. And, and then they had a, a Jewish rabbi pray, and it was like, and I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? That's the best you got? That, that's it? That's your prayer? And, and so it wasn't arrogance, but I just had this confidence come on me, said, I can pray better than you guys, you know, any day of the week. And so I got up and God anointed me and and the crowd went boom, you know, and it was on live television and it, it was amazing. And we don't have to be ashamed of nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to be careful how I say this. I, I mean, Hillsong's a big deal in Sydney, but they're in trouble. They're in trouble. And, and it's just even here with Carl Lentz and all that, they're in trouble. And it's like the Bible said there must be heresy in order for that which is approved may be made manifest among you. And what that means is, I'm not afraid of the phonies. I'm not afraid of the fakes. All the fakes are gonna do is make the real stuff shine even brighter. And, 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 and I'm not trying to denigrate Hillsong, but they'll agree with me. They're, they're in leadership trouble right now. Yeah, they are. It's it just, the quality of the young people that are in the apostolic movement right now are, are stunning. Which is mm. stunning. And I want them to understand, don't you be ashamed of who you are. And the other thing was this. When your memories, when your memories are more important to you than your dreams, you're getting old. <laughs> mm. Yesterday, I, I remember I was at Louisiana camp before Brother Tenney died. Some guy got up and started talking about the good old days and Brother Tenney had this squeaky voice. I was standing by him. He said, Brother Harold, he said, 
I was there in them good old days, and them good old days weren't always that good all the time, you know. <laughs> and 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 people, I, I realize we have a wonderful past, but the people that I've revered the most always lived in tomorrow. They never lived in yesterday. And it says, old men need to dream dreams, and young men need to see visions. And I, I. I guess if I had to make a difference, if there's a difference, dreams are what happened at night and visions happen during the day. But I think there's a message there, Greg. I, 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 at this season in my life, I feel like I have two things to do. I, I, have to, I have to encourage other men in my demographic to keep dreaming. Because if, you, if, you, if you're not a dreamer, you need to hang up your spurs. It's let somebody else do the job because you're, 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 you're totally out of touch with what, you know, you have no idea where we're going, but, but, but at the same time, I'm trying to encourage elderly men to keep dreaming. I never want to marginalize the vision of you and your generation to encourage young men to have visions because let's say dreams belong to old men and visions belong to young men. It doesn't say without a dream, people perish. It says without a vision, people perish. Mm. And if we don't encourage visionary young ministry right now, we're foolish. And I just know some old men that are intimidated by young men. And my deal is, it's not my church now, it's your church. And it's my job to do my very best to equip you and to cheer you on and say, you know, old men are for counsel, young men are for war. And it's like, it's like in the book of Matthew, that, that woman touched the hem of his garment. And you, you probably know this, but it was a Jewish rabbi taught me this. In Malachi, it said, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Mm -hmm. But the word translated wing in Hebrew is kanaf, which also can be translated edges or borders of the garment. And it's saying one of the ways you'll know he's Messiah is the edges of his garment will have healing power. Mm. I don't know if that woman knew that or not. All I know is she grabbed the hem of his garment. Instantly, she's made whole. And that's like, I think, Matthew 9. But when you get, I think it's Matthew 14, it said, and many besought him that they would touch the hem of his garment. It's like this woman opened up a whole new ministry. It had yeah. been sitting there. Remember, it's in Matthew where this, this guy's got leprosy. And, and, and he says, you you go tell the priest to offer the gift that Moses commanded. And I and I thought, what does that mean? You know? So again, here we come to Leviticus 16, because Leviticus 16 has what's known as the law of the cleansing of the leper. And it's so here's this guy goes back to church and the and the preacher says, What are you doing here? And and you know, we're gonna stone you. You you're a leper. And he says, Guess what, boss? I'm healed. And it's hmm. like, what happened to you? I met Jesus of Nazareth. You mean the, that fake from Nazareth? He said, well, whatever. But he, I got a message from him for you. Really? What he, he said, now that I am healed of leprosy, you're supposed to offer the gift that Moses commanded. And, and I see this preacher going, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you go back to your Bible study, Bible school notes, and all of a sudden you get to Leviticus 16. It says, hmm, two birds, earthen jar a red string, piece of hyssop, have one of your pals hold the jar with running water, kill the one bird, collect the blood in the place and stir the hyssop in the blood, tie the bloody piece of hyssop with a red string to the living bird and let it go. Greg, no 
Jewish rabbi had ever done that. It had been sitting in the word since Leviticus, just sitting in mothballs. But all of a sudden, bam, there it was. And here's this rabbi going, no one ever, my pastor didn't do this. And my my challenge to you, Greg, and to your brothers, what else is there in that Bible that's been sitting in mothballs all these years that he wants you guys to take it out for a drive? And open up brand new. It's like this crazy internet right now. We we literally have the ability, we have the tools now to preach the gospel to the world. To yeah. the world. <laughs> it's incredible. They say, oh, there's pornography on there. Yep, there is. And there's horrible things on there. Yes, there is. But it was a dirty bird that fed Elijah and it, it or Elijah rather. And it's just, I, I I think God has given us a tool which can be soiled and it can be used for very foolish, horrible purposes. Or it could literally be the the vessel that God has given us to take the gospel to the world. You're you guys are smarter than we ever were, man. I I keep telling them that they're they're dragging me, kicking and screaming into the 19th century. You know, I still write out. I wrote a boy in our youth group. I wrote him a letter a couple months ago. He couldn't read it. It was in cursive. <laughs> he thought it was Hebrew. <laughs> All they know is computer keyboards. They don't teach penmanship or, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have that anymore. And that's fine. It's just, but with you and, and your, your pals and, and not just men, but women, it's, it's Sunday. We had something special. We let the pastor, the, the pastors, our youth pastor's wife baptized four women in service. Mm. And, that, that's never happened in the history of our church. And when it happened, people just stood up, started clapping and screaming. It was like, it's like seed. When you sow, seed doesn't care if the hand that's thrown it is 10 years old or 80 years old. The power's in the seed, you right. know? And, you know, only the senior pastor can do that. I I, I just, I'm, I'm done with a lot of those, those, those whatever old boy networks now. My deal is we got a big job to do. And it's like, I want I want it to be on the handmaids and, and and the sir. I want the men, the women. I want the old men, the young people. I want it. It's just so. My purpose in life right now is to encourage men of my age keep dreaming, but also to inspire you guys and say, I'm on your side, man. Mm. Have a vision. Yeah. Have your vision, and we're gonna do everything we can to finance it and to support it and to promote it because. It, it, I don't know who said it, but you're standing on our shoulders. You ought to see further than, than we have seen. Mm. You, you ought to do more. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I have no idea where this is going to go, but I'm believing that you'll give it wings. And you said a bird of the air would carry it. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you would use this bird right here and that you would take this somewhere. There are just young men and young women, just like I was many years ago, in that forsaken, just <laughs> that place that I didn't think anybody knew existed, but but you found me, and you chose me, and you you've opened up an entire world to me that I didn't know existed, and I know there are young men and young women just like I was back then who just think that this is such a zephyr and such a dream and such a fantasy, but. But, oh, Lord, I know that dreams will come true if we don't oversleep. So I ask you, God, put a foundation of the word beneath it. 
put a hedge of angelic protection around them, but let there be a canopy of submission over them, Lord. And let them submit themselves to your word and to each other to do something mighty, powerful, changing, Lord. In Jesus' name, I believe this and I'm asking this and calling it done in your name. Amen. Amen.